the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing, Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Nam Fawn of Pacific Private Money and Rob Spinoza of Guaranteed Rate. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack uh, tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. And in uh, Rob's... Uh, we, we know Rob's intelligent, but we decided to have easy random trivia. We don't, we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know that for a fact. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Nam, you were going to talk about Gavin Newsom. What's going on with him? Gavin Newsom. Um, well, what's on Gavin Newsom's desk oh, or that's making its way to his desk yeah. is uh, article. This is a family the- show. Keep it. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh, then I don't have anything. To say. Well, no, okay. Okay, the rated G version. Maybe this isn't Rady G, but California lawmakers approved a statewide rent cap on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, covering millions of tenants, the biggest step yet in a surge of initiatives to address an affordable housing crunch nationwide. So the bill limits annual rent increases to 5% after inflation and offers new barriers to eviction, providing a bit of housing security in a state state with the nation's highest housing prices and a swelling homeless population. But there's so, certain exceptions, right? I mean, if anything like built before 86 or something like that, that is, is exempt. Built or leased. Does that? I mean, built or leased before 86. I don't yeah. know. I don't, how, how would, why would they tie it to that? I uh, guess if you have a long-term yeah, yeah, I mean, tenant. But, we um, see some of that. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things, uh, not, to, not to go off the topic too much because I'm curious about – uh, the, the whole idea of this, but um, one of the interesting things that we see in our industry with that very fact is people going to qualify when they don't have long-term leases in effect because we require, most conventional mortgages require a one-year lease. So sometimes you see people who have been long-time tenants and they're, you know, they've been month to month for years yeah, and years. Exactly, they can't even yeah. locate the lease, let alone. Yeah, um, right. Well, but a lot of landlords want month to month because it's easier right, to get a victim. Right, yeah. exactly. Hence the other provision in that. Now, my my thinking on all these is that um, while they may be well-meaning, right. they, there are always other shoes to drop with that. I don't know the details well, of that. Oh, how, how about they just relax the uh, building codes and, and uh, bring down the costs of you know uh, permits and all that right. stuff so that right. it makes right. more desirable to build? Yeah, the actual yeah, – that's just – this bill addresses you know affordability and um, you know limiting rent increases, but – you have to have a multi-pronged approach, just like you're saying. Right. I mean, housing shortage in California is still significant. Right. So this is, you know, like you're saying, it's well-meaning, but 
if there's less profit in it for people to build, yeah, then that's just going to con- exacerbate and and, the and, and also we've talked about this before, but I'll repeat it again. Uh, does that mean if if I own, if I'm a landlord and I own apartments and I'm limited as to how much I can charge, do do I get to go to PG and E and insurance companies and right. companies that fix right, my right. roof and say no 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 I'm sorry you're not allowed to increase your price more than five right. percent of what yeah, you charged and, me last and, year and and that's that's kind of where I'm going with that whole thing is there's this there's this comprehensive approach towards. Um, home ownership or, or you know housing in general, and if you have increasing prices and your rent doesn't keep up with that, now you've got I would think other impacts on the market itself. Now your business, Nam, you guys deal with business purpose loans and investment property loans and things well, like that. So I would imagine. Well, we also uh, they also do uh, owner occupied. Owner occupied now I know as well, but but a big portion of probably what you do is investors who are sure. going to be leasing out those properties, and that would uh, presumably impact them. Yeah. So how is this going to imbu- impede their ability to make a profit right. on yeah. projects right. and, and how you much don't want then you don't want people turning into slum landlords right right, right. And they say right. well I'm sorry I can't fix the heater yeah I'm not getting enough rent I'm losing money on this every yeah. day so market forces um, should include adding more inventory yeah. to to uh, you know to the under you know to the under supplied California I mean what do you so. do if, if you have a situation where there's rent control and it's so bad that uh, the landlord literally cannot make his mortgage payment anymore. Let's right. say interest rates go up and he had a, a fluctuating <laughs> rate, mm-hmm. right? right? Right. What's he supposed to do? And if he walks away from that, the bank doesn't want that. Yeah. We do see a, b- a bit of that now, too, because we've gotten more inquiries about non-owner-occupied properties where you have um, – so you have an owner of a, a rental property, and they have an adjustable rate mortgage, or and or they're looking to refinance a loan, and, and they're considering their other options – um, and that's always the concern I hear from landlords is, is how do I lock in or fix in my mortgage costs because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen exactly. going forward mm. and I can't leave my rental budget or my investment budget at the whim of the market should rates go up in the future. And your answer yeah. is? <laughs> my, well, my answer at today's rates is if you can get it to work in a fix, then most of them tend to approach it that way too. That's what they're aiming to do. Yeah. Yeah. Put it into a 30-year fixed rate if they can. If they plan on holding the property, of course. Totally makes sense. You know, on the private lending side, we're seeing, and maybe we can touch uh, on this in the next segment, um, but we're seeing more and more 30-year rental products for investors who want to go out and acquire uh, and buy and hold. So I don't right. know, are you seeing that on the conventional side too? Well, I mean, on conventional side, that's our go-to product on almost everything, right? So 30-year fixed and depends on, we don't see a lot of non-owner occupied purchases or refinances that go into arm loans for the, for those reasons. Yeah. I just think okay. that average landlord wants to, wants to know exactly what they're going to be paying in their housing cost. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to cut to our first commercial break, and here's our first easy trivia question. Of course, I don't really know the answer to this because I was never a Boy Scout, but how many fingers does a Boy Scout extend in a salute? Right? So a boy, there's a Boy Scout salute, Right. It's not a one finger one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not one finger. There you go. Okay. Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate, which is worth over $100. Hmm. Question again is, how many fingers does a Boy Scout extend in a salute? All right. Stay with us. The Best of Investing is going to be right back. For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the best of investing. Edward Brown here along with Mom Fawn and Rob Spinoza. Here is our first trivia question. How many fingers does a Boy Scout extend in a salute? I mean, my odds are, are pretty good on this, right? Because she got five fingers. And, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with three. Three. That is correct. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, also here, hey, guys, I'm going to make a quick mention here for the Urban Tavern, which is located in downtown San Francisco near Union Square. They have uh, local food and beer scene with seasonal menus and more than a dozen Bay Area craft beers on tap. Check them out. And by the way, if you wear any kind of San Francisco gear, you know, Flowers in your hair? No, no, not so much that, but uh, uh, sports gear. uh, The buy one get one free on game day. Be it baseball, football, or basketball. Check them out uh, at uh, Urban Tavern uh, SF dot com. Okay, so. Okay, so when we cut to break, we almost came to blows here on the radio. (laughs) And I don't know. Are you a communist or something? Come on. So what started it? I'll tell you what started it. it. Uh, Another news story this week. Uh, California passes landmark gig economy rights bill. So Assembly Bill 5, as it's known, will affect firms like Uber and Lyft, which are based in California and depend on those workers in the gig gig economy. Mm -hmm. So if people don't know, gig economy is like... um, it's a new term for people who do kind of side jobs. Originally, it was, yeah. you know, it was a like side music, like the music. I got, I got a gig. Yes, like I got a music gig. That's right. a gig, right? Millennials called it a side hustle. Side hustle. Um, side hustle. Oh. So, so the gig economy is uh, kind of new. I mean, it's it's giving uh, people the ability to make money on the yeah. side, working yep. presumably part time. But a lot of people, or a lot of um, firms, tech firms in particular, have people working. More than just part-time. It's okay, full, so full-time. going on to like Uber and Lyft, all right? Yeah. Now, in the old days, it used to be, you know, if, if I'm independent where I can make my own hours, mm-hmm. choose when to work, who to work for, so to speak. Right. Uh, like, you know, t- t- let's say a typical attorney or CPA. That's probably a good, a good example, yep. right? I, if I don't want to work one day, I don't have to. No one's going to fire me, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That, to me, fits Uber and Lyft. Get I don't it, have get, to get work a, for them. Get a 1099 from your, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From your... "Quote unquote," not employer, but you get a ten ninety nine for those you perform work for. Uh, sometimes, sometimes not. Well, but Depends. in the case of an Uber driver, you would be getting okay that, right? if they're going to if they're going if they're do part it. of the gig economy. I and, believe that's and, how it works. And what happens? Okay, so one of the weird things about these rules used to be also, gee, if you only worked for one company, right. that kind of fits right. you more into an employee, right? But what if I drive for Uber and, and Lyft? Lyft? Right, right. So. Well, so, so the, the, is the idea, Nam, that they are trying to say you are an employee, so therefore you have benefits? You have right. Okay. Uh, taxes really right. comes what it sounds to okay. because then but, the, the employer and the employee. But have because to pay. if you're yeah. an independent contractor, now you're just getting you're getting the income, mm-hmm. and then you have to expense it. You have to pay taxes. Right. You have to do everything on your own yeah. at your own and, discretion. And you're not, yeah, mm-hmm. so you're not covered by workers' comp, not, okay. right? Right. No labor board, right? And then no retirement. No, no 401ks. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, the, the, quote, big brother, let's put it that way. Big brother wants everybody to be an employee. Everybody. Well, everybody's paying into the system. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah exactly. and, and they get more payroll taxes, right, the workers' right, comp, right. And, and yada, yada, yada. And, and then also, um, if you're an employee now with the new tax law, you ain't going to be able to wrap much off, if anything, versus if you're independent, well, you might have right, certain right, expenses. Right. So uh, this article goes on to say that should um, these gig workers be redefined or classified as, as W-2s, 
this could drive up costs for companies like Uber or Lyft or any of course, which, which brings by, the cost up by thirty percent. I, I would think that would be at least that much. Because think about it for a minute: if yeah. you're an employee, or excuse me, let's let's back it up for a minute. If you're right an now, independent contractor, okay. If yeah. you're an independent contractor, if I'm driving for Uber, I if I understand it correctly, I'm not an Uber driver, but if I was, don't I pay for my own gas? Yes, you yeah. do, okay. but you expense that on you. What when I see their tax returns, I see it on their Schedule C. That's right, right, but. What happens if I'm an employee? I'm not going to be able to write that off now. But is it a reimbursable right. expense? Uh, unreimbursed business, but you can't do those anymore. Not anymore, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. So you, I mean, you yeah. lose that tax unless, deduction. Unless, unless you're a service-based, right? So in, if you're a Well, ser- no. Because uh, you're the tax guy. I, I know, but the yeah. rules change quite uh, a bit. If you're an employee, I think they're getting rid of those But but I, but I think the point of our discussion is that all of these things are, again, what come into play when you start talking about this legislative changes. Yeah. Because now... The gig economy is a real thing. Our economy, better or worse, is driven, no pun intended, by mm-hmm. a lot of these services. And if you change the law dramatically, the business models for all these companies and the way people operate, I think I read somewhere yeah. that Uber is the number one expensed business expense in the nation. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, really? so not so meals. You mean me, you mean me as, a, as a client of Uber? Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so when, when, when employees submit expense reports to their employer, Uber is yeah. the number one thing. Now, wow. I, you yeah. know what? I, I could see that. Uh, I mean, yeah, you'd still think that think there would be a lot of meals and entertainment. Meals and hotels and things like yeah, that. But, I mean, yeah. I, I read that somewhere. I mean, the, how it breaks uh, down. So, you know what you it know. could be? It could be because the employer, like, let's say I work for Nam. If he sends me to Vegas for right. an appointment right. or something, he, he's paying for it. Could be. He's not having yeah, yeah. me pay it right, right, reimbursed. Right, right. But I wonder if it was the same um, expense before, but it was taxi. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And taxis yeah. are a little bit more expensive, or yeah. people are using it more just because it's so easy to use. Right. It is. Um, I mean, I I spent hundreds of dollars on Uber yeah. in when I took my daughter to Washington D.C. because you know I didn't know the area, we didn't want to drive, we just thought it'd be a lot easier. Hundreds. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we we were going maybe eight times a day. You click, know, go click, over click. here, go over here. So here. I, I, I think so good. I, I think I think that these things. So our industry has been directly impacted by this this debate, um, mm-hmm. and it happened years ago, mostly during the downturn, because traditionally a lot of guys who did what I did were were independent contractors, and they loved it, right? Because mm-hmm. just for all the reasons you said, you know. Dry cleaning? <laughs> hey, I need that well, suit, right? No, no, yeah. Yeah, that's not I'm deductible. not saying I did it. I'm saying they did it. <laughs> well, yep, that, that's not deductible. I mean, but but <laughs> people loved being independent contractors. But in our business, you, it, the, one of the things that prevents employers like mine guaranteed rate from allowing us to be independent contractors is that to originate an FHA insured loan, a government insured yeah. loan, you have to be an employee of the bank. Uh, okay. okay so enough. so now fair we're enough. W2'd and it's been that way for a good period of time. But we've seen as we've worked our way past the you know the worst of the downturn, a lot of brokers are starting to call their employees a quote unquote employees, ten ninety nine independent contractors again. Can't do wow. a government loan. Uh, yeah, but, but you know yeah. what that gets I mean, there you're really knocking on the door of the IRS hey. because because being into being an employee and then being independent and if things haven't changed, that's a red flag. Okay, so sure. so but but the point is that this is all when you look at this legislation, it's all at getting exactly what you described, Robert, getting more people to pay into the system, saying, hey, if these drivers of Uber are captive, if this is all they're doing or if they're doing this enough of the time, they are employees. Right. And I the business know. model doesn't support it's, that. It's all yeah. conjecture, and that's a three-syllable word, and that's about all I know. <laughs> well, so you're saying the businesses can't support that. So what happens? A lot of these drivers might be let go. Maybe they, there's just, you know, the business can't support 
Uh, well, okay, no, no, no. Their but Uber though but, is but, just a, if you work, you get paid, so they don't have to let people. But but here, but the, my my point is this: that, that now you've got this legislation that is flying in the face of a service that is in demand. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. if the legislation doesn't accommodate that, I, I mean, having having this come to uh, a, a logjam loggerheads is not going to help anybody. Right. So you got to figure out a solution to make this work fairly. And we will figure them. that out after the next. That's segment. on the next yeah. show. That's on the next <laughs> show. Okay. Here's our second trivia question. Again, we're going to get it easier with these guys here. What kind of animal is pictured on the wrapper of a Klondike bar? Ah. Yeah, I figured I have to give you one easy one there. All right. Call 888-912-1190. Be the first caller with the correct answer. You're going to win that tanning certificate. We're over $100. What kind of animal is pictured on the wrapper of a Klondike bar? All right. Stay with us. You're listening to The Best of Investing. We're going to be right back. You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDLW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Nam Fon and Rob Spinoza. Second trivia question, what kind of animal is pictured on the wrapper of a Klondike bar? And Nam, you had to ask your 10-year-old daughter. <laughs> I phoned it in. She's <laughs> 11. Phoned in a friend. Um, 11, sorry. <laughs> and the answer is a polar bear, That right? is correct. Ah, nice job, <laughs> Chloe. Good yeah. job. Good job, Chloe. All right. I uh, want to make a mention here also for the uh, Hornblower Cruises. For a few hours of unbeatable San Francisco views and culinary experience, enjoy a multi-course meal, first-class service, and after-dinner dancing for an unforgettable night on the water. Check them out at hornblower.com. All right. Uh, we're going to go to, right to email time here because all this Uber yeah. independent contractor stuff just boils my <laughs> tushy. Okay. Uh, Nom. A question comes in from a uh, prospective investor, I guess, who's wondering about the fund that you guys uh, put together. It says, are are there any tax advantages to investing in your fund? Oh, here we go with these taxes. I know, taxes. (laughs) Taxes, taxes, taxes. So uh, first, even backing up a little bit, um, they're asking about the fund. What is the fund that we're talking about? It's the uh, Pacific Private Money Fund, now in its uh, sixth, seventh, going into its seventh year. Hmm. Um, where um, it's a mortgage debt fund made up of loans that uh, we make throughout California. Currently, uh, we have about 90 loans in the portfolio, about 50 million, 51 million assets under management. It pays about 7.5% uh, annualized return to investors. And uh, it's uh, because it's K1, it's, they're members of an LLC, they're taxed as ordinary income. But uh, we um, there's been some tax changes in 2018 that allows uh, certain types of investments to, uh, for I- the investors to only have to pay a portion of the um, taxes. So in this case, they only have to report on 80%, and it's called the Qualified Business Income hmm. Deduction. Um, now, So that's 80% of the ordinary income that comes over on the K-1 form? Yeah. Okay. That's a, um, so um, with our fund, uh, there's certain qualifications. There's a threshold. If you make above a certain dollar amount, then you can't uh, write, okay. off, write that okay. off. But uh, we're actually going to go into detail on it uh, in October. We have several events coming up where we'll not only go into detail about it uh, with respect to our fund, but we have a tax, uh, tax expert, tax attorney coming in, Steve Moskowitz. Uh, we're holding three events in October. Actually, I'll give you the dates now. Usually we talk about the events uh, at the end of the segment or at the end of the show, but uh, we're really excited about this. We have one on uh, October 16th 
in San Rafael at the Embassy Suites. Rob, you'll get an invite. Hope you can oh, make wonderful. it. Oh, wonderful. Um, October 23rd in Fremont at the Fremont Marriott. And then October 30th uh, in Walnut Creek at the Walnut Creek Embassy Suites. Now, all of the events are from 7 to 9 p.m. And it's going to be really good information. Not only will we talk about tax advantages of investing in our fund, but just some of the tax advantages of investing in real estate. So okay. a lot of our listeners have probably uh, know of Steve Moskowitz. He's been in the Bay Area for, I think, 30-plus years or so. Um, and he knows he knows tax. So now, uh, so a typical investor, I'm going to, you stop me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. you typically uh, accredited investor, correct? Yes. Invest in your fund. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, they're going to get a K-1 mm-hmm. because they're, quote, unquote, a partner, right? Yeah. And they're, they have a percentage interest based on their investment. And they're going to take that ordinary income and they're going to file it on their Schedule E as income. And then they are going to be able to, what, take 80% of that? Report, depending on their income threshold. Okay. Earnings. Got it. And and they're considered a a member because it's an LLC versus a partner. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Let's be precise. Um, And so and so then this income comes over and it adds to their total income. Basically, so so if they earned, let's say, make it simple, if they earned eight percent, then they only have to report six point four percent on the tax return and pay taxes on that. Okay. Cool. So that adds, you know, whatever tax bracket you're in, boost your income. Yeah. Net, you know, net net income. So, yeah, that's something that uh, we highlight, but I don't know if it resonates with a lot of people that well, that's why I bring, do that. That's why so. I bring it up. I mean, you know, I think that as an alternative investment, um, getting the word out is, is critical, number one. But then, two, I think, you know, we see a lot of borrowers that have uh, tax returns and, and they're starting to venture into that kind of stuff. Uh, alternative investments, you see them, they have a K-1. And what's very interesting about when, when most of our, you know, ordinary borrowers have K-1 is we'll say, Hey, you filed a K one in 2018, and they'll say, "I don't know what that is." Yeah, but uh-huh. you know what I mean. They got income from a fund or something exactly. like that, and and you know they don't think of it that way. They, they don't think of it. themselves as a member or a partner. They yeah. just, it's an investment. Yep, gotcha. Yep. Uh, can we? Uh, how do people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of us online at uh, four four one five. That's our phone number uh, at www.pacificprivatemoney.com, or they can call us at four one five eight eight three twenty one fifty. Um, if you, anyone is interested in coming to the events, give us a call. Um, they can go online, but just call us directly, 415-883-2150, and let us know which uh, location and date that they would like to attend these inv- uh, these seminars. Very good. Right. Rob, yeah. uh, email comes in for you. It says, what is the difference between your company and an and other independent mortgage brokers. Okay. So uh, first off, I am residential mortgage, uh, primary, secondary investment properties, one to four units. That's what we do. I'm with Guaranteed Rate. We are one of the largest independent mortgage banks in the country. So what I tell my clients, they ask that question frequently. And they'll say, you know, how do I, or are you a broker or are you a banker? What, what's your role? There really are only three channels to get a residential mortgage these days. Even though you know there's a, a million companies doing it, you either go to a retail establishment Uh, Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, you go to a broker. That's uh, a person that has a lot of different lending options, but doesn't have any of their own money to lend. They are are placing your loan with an institution that will fund it. And then between those two are the independent mortgage banks. And the way we work is we have sources of funds 
from large banks, credit unions, investment firms, etc. But they have given us delegated authority to lend that money as a correspondent. So basically, we can on any given day look at a rate sheet and see various investors that would have the best pricing or fit your scenario best. Hmm. And then we can fund the loan with their money. So you're dealing with us start to finish, and we're not relinquishing control of the file. So that's really how residential lending works these days. There is no inherently one better option than another. So some people think, hey, if I work with a broker, there's a middleman involved. Well, there's always a middleman involved. That middleman is called an originator, and that's the person you're working with to actually get the loan. But the source of funds for the for, for the originator can be any of the uh, any of the you know investment firms, banks, etc. Mm. So no inherently better one option. Do your research, but uh, that's who I work for and how we do it. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Last trivia or question here is: What birds were traditionally used to detect dangerous gases in coal mines? All right, stay with us. The best of investing. I'll be right back. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back to the best of investing. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Nam Fon and Rob Spinoza. Our last trivia question was, what birds were traditionally used to detect dangerous gases in coal mines? Canaries. Canaries. Yeah. Very good. Police had Which, a great song about that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I wonder. It's kind of funny. I'm thinking... How did they figure that out? And and what if the canary live? I mean, there's something about a canary that could live more than no. Other it's just ones, that, so they they have a really fast respiration rate and really small lungs. So like mm. even if my wife has told me that birds, you know, people she used to be a vet, people would bring birds in that had like collapsed or fainted or instant, sometimes died just by vacuuming in the in the room because it kicks up all the dust. Oh, and really? they're super sensitive to that. And so I'm sure that's oh how they gosh. figured out with canaries, just like dust or anything like that, and they just. So, yeah. yeah. It's not very nice to the canary. No. No. <laughs> Bad time to be a canary, but... Uh, <laughs> Bad time to be a canary. Yeah. <laughs> I have a joke. So this canary and a penguin walk into a coal mine. Oh, no. Just kidding. Yeah, it was it's funny. your job to police the show. When we start telling <laughs> yeah, jokes, know, you guys. I'm sorry. Because I, I did have one, too, where this guy was uh, talking about... Uh, uh, he, he, goes, he goes, man, he was complaining about t- taxes. He goes, I love taxes. He goes, I, I visit there once a year. He goes, no, not. He goes, no, I mean dollars. He goes, yeah, it was in Dollars, Texas. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, da dum bunch. All right. So, Rob, we uh, we had to cut to a break, but, um, Nam, you're going to ask him a quick yeah. question. Yeah, right? so you were saying that uh, you're comparing the different oh, options right. that uh, bars have. But, you know, what I found is oftentimes it's it's the person you're working with yeah i mean right? a, a lot of it has to deal with expertise and i mean you i you know you kind of say that term and you're like oh expertise uh but it but it really does and and one of the reasons why i enjoy working for an independent mortgage bank um well there's two primary reasons one is our pricing is really strong so we're able to compete with the best across the board on a lot of the stuff that most people need but beyond that the 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 range of product that we have right. and our ability as originators, individuals to learn that not everybody does, but mm-hmm. it's something that I enjoy doing with a lot of the other programs that accommodate scenarios that may, may be a little more difficult. We were talking about self-employed individuals, independent right. contractors, people who get income from K ones, that kind of stuff. You know, you call a call center on that stuff and they might look at you like you're speaking Greek. Right. But uh, we see a lot of that here in the Bay Area and uh, we're able to qualify it. And that that makes a big difference. So you're absolutely right now. Yeah. But, you know. and, but when somebody's calling into a call center, 
sort of alluding to some of the big... Yeah, well, you have to remember that a vast majority of the mortgages that get done in the country are conforming or government loans. What Mm -hmm. does that mean? It means that there's great uniformity in the guidelines. The loans will only go to X loan to value. The FICO score is only allowed to go to one level. The Mm debt-to-income ratio can only go to one. So that's what most people see most of the time. The Bay Area, California, is a bit different than that, and we see a lot of scenarios that, that deviate from that straight and narrow path. And, of course, jumbo lending is all individual investor guideline driven. In other words, the entity that's making that loan is controlling what they want. Got it. So that's where it really helps to have someone who knows uh, that, hey, you won't fit the guidelines for Wells Fargo, but you will for Chase, right, et cetera, right. et cetera. And that's what we do as an independent mortgage. Right. And you call Wells, they're never going to tell you. <laughs> well, you <laughs> may find out late in the game that, right. I mean, nothing against Wells. What they do, sure. you know, what they do strongly, they do really strongly. But yes, if you go there and you're just not a good fit for them, you're not going to get a loan. So how do people get a hold of you? Uh, I am at uh, Guaranteed Rate, uh, so uh, rate.com and uh, my slash Rob Spinoza. You can also find me on uh, Yelp and Google. Uh, (laughs) Yelp and Google. And uh, how are rates these days? Rates are great. Um, Rates are approaching the lows that we saw in 2013 and 2016. Wow. And so everybody that is in a conventional mortgage, unless they're, you know, uh, under three and three quarters percent, under four percent, et cetera, should be at least revisiting their scenario and saying, would I benefit from getting into a refinance? If you have an arm loan now, thinking yeah. about going into a fixed, if you have a 30 year thinking about going into a 15, um, maybe it will work, maybe it won't, but, but take a look at it because rates are really favorable. And one more question. Sure. So, you know, whatever rate you're at, and obviously this is this is going to vary by your circumstances. But how much of a rate drop would make sense for you to even look at uh, whether or not you should pursue a refi? Um, it, yeah, it does vary. It, it varies wildly. So um, what I tell folks is that if you are, well, <laughs> depends on the loan size. So yeah. let's say, for example, you have a loan that's a million and a quarter. Mm-hmm. You might benefit from a quarter percent drop in interest rate, right. but if you have a loan of two hundred and fifty thousand, probably not, yeah. right. because the cost you're going to incur to refinance uh, wouldn't make the savings sure. worthwhile. T- title insurance, yeah, and title and insurance, and just go. You know, a lot of the the smaller loans that we do now don't require an appraisal. That mm-hmm. helps a lot. Yeah, but um, we see a lot of jumbo loans here too. So we see our clients starting to get interested in this stuff if their rates are dropping by a quarter percent or more. Believe it or not. Wow. It used to be the old adage was 2%, right? But yeah. It's like 2%. <laughs> yeah the rate spectrum is so compressed now. I mean, yeah. everybody's at 3 4 and 5% that's left, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in a 7% loan, something's wrong and we probably can't fix it. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, but if you're if you're a you know, a typical borrower out there, um, we see a lot of for example, 4 and a quarter percent 30-year fixed-rate loans that are now refinancing into 3.75. Very common scenario. And it makes wow. it makes good sense for most of them. The payoff or the recoup on the investment is probably two and a half, three years. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a Rob yeah. Spinoza of Guaranteed Rate. Yep. Hey, Nam, do you have a deal for the, of the week? Yeah, we have a, a few deals of the week. And um, really, without getting too specific in a deal type, well, the first one is just uh, a scenario that uh, we've brought up before where you have people who are looking to Take the money that they have in California and park it in real estate in other, in other states. Oh, yeah. hmm. So we have a gentleman who has a ton of equity in his home here in California's primary residence and wants to buy an investment property in Oregon. Okay. So he's taking out a second, and, and we're going to – we don't lend out of state, but we can, uh, but oh, can take the proceeds right. and use them towards – 
to purchase in another state. And um, you know, taking so he's just going to make an all cash purchase when he does it. Yeah, yeah. Vacation rental or uh, vacation right. property, second home in Oregon. So, just want to highlight the fact that the, we're seeing many of those where people are either buying second homes out of state um, or moving out of state altogether. Yeah. And we can do those loans. Um, typically, they're they're coming to us for a bridge loan. Now, you, yeah, I was just going to say, you guys are really good about accessing the equity in a house before mm-hmm. it's sold and all that. You can cross collateralize and things right. of that nature. That's where it gets difficult in lending. One of the most common scenarios we see is what I call the buy before sell, yeah. yep. and people really get stuck because they can't liquidate the equity they have in their existing real estate, but they want to get into the new one. And they're faced with this dilemma. Hey, do I have to move twice? Yeah. You know, sell first. And-, and there's no prepayment penalty with Pacific private money. Right. So, you know, yeah, it costs a little more for the points, but, you know. Yeah, but I mean, well, the alternative is having to take your chance on the market right. and and yeah. move and move put storage or right. moving. Yeah, there's right. costs of storage, cost of moving right. twice, you know, and the hassle of factor. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Um, lately, the real estate community is really picking up on that residential yeah. real estate. They're understanding that a um, bridge loan can really solve this problem and and create inventory. Right. I mean, what do they do in the past? They Well, you know, in, in, I'll let you answer no, it your way and I'll tell you what I've seen yeah. is that it depends on the market and right now we've been in such a strong sellers market for so long that buyers don't have the time to like do contingent sales or right. do oh, other things like yeah, that. So yeah, yeah. so they get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's that they don't want to have to sell twice or move twice. Right. Um, and also they see that there's value and maybe the cost of a bridge loan, because it's it's high cost loan, um, can be offset by the fact that they now have time to move into the property, right. stage yeah. the one that Stages. they're departing, or and just the fact the that the properties go up. You know, if they're going up in value just a little bit, yeah, uh, that also helps. Okay, guys, uh, we're going to cut to our last break. Uh, don't have a trivia question, but stay with us because you're listening to the best of investing. We'll be right back. You're listening to the best of investing with your host Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDOW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Nam Fawn and Rob Spinoza. I, we didn't have a trivia question, but Rob, you have an interesting article about Aretha Franklin. <laughs> I saw this a while back, and I didn't read it, but I thought, you know what? I'm coming into Best of Investing today. This is the kind of thing that we'd have a field day with. Um, Aretha Franklin, when she passed away a year ago, was running around with almost a million dollars of uncashed checks. Why? Just running around like they were in her purse or something? Yeah, she just didn't. So, so this article goes on to say that she had... Um, one of them was from uh, Carlin Music and Feel Good Films in the amount of 285, almost 286K. And then the other one uh, was 703,000 from Sound Exchange and the Screenwriters Guild. So royalties, presumably, right? right. On, on stuff that was used in movies. And, and it was in like her pocket? Uncashed. In her, and she died intestate as well. As well wow. right? Which as means without a will. Without a will, yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know, you know. <laughs> What do you say about this? Uh, I say, fellow whenever investors, anybody gives you a check, you cash it. <laughs> yeah. What more is there to say than that? Whoa. Wow. So, um, you know, it's funny when you see these celebrity situations, because I think the other guy that, w- that died without a will was Prince. I don't know if oh, that's true or not, but, you know, it's like they have these um, 
properties. They have all this, all these royalties coming in, mm-hmm. and they live unconventional lives. And it's like, what happens when they die? Right, everybody's equal. just goes in the casket with them. But is that like a regular person dying with a hundred dollar uncashed check in their pocket? Like, well, uh, you know? not a million uh, compared to a hundred dollars. So I mean, I most che- think, most but... checks, right? There's a timeline on it, uh, yeah. isn't there? Six, so like, or six or nine months. But the thing is, you could get them replaced. Doesn't mean that the person doesn't owe you the money anymore. So, so, mm-hmm. so the executor, yeah, exactly. Will, or, well, she never will. But the court could the court? do that. Yeah, we go back and say, hey, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of it yeah, shouldn't be a win. It shouldn't be a windfall for the company that wrote that the check, it. right? Yeah. It's it belongs to her, which wow. belongs to yeah. That's kind of, that's and that's kind of all I stuff. got, guys. I mean, other than that, it's just dry real estate stuff that I dug up over the course. Yeah, uh, we don't want to yeah. do that. No, it's <laughs> Tom, uh, again, you, you got some events coming up. Yeah, so uh, October, big uh, month for events. So the first one is October sixteenth, which is a Wednesday. That will be in San Rafael, at the Embassy Suites. Uh, October twenty third, which is another Wednesday, will be in Fremont at the Fremont Marriott. The last one for October is the thirtieth, at the Walnut Creek Embassy Suites. 7 to 9 p.m. Again, it's a joint event with Steve Moskowitz. We're going to be talking about not only the fund and some of the tax advantages of investing in the fund, but just some of the tax advantages or things people um, should should uh, didn't know are possible from a tax standpoint. So Steve Moskowitz is going to cover a number of those. Cool. So what do you guys do with the events? You do, you do a presentation, then do Q&A? Yeah, exactly. So come for hors d'oeuvres. Meet and greet at the beginning, and then we jump to a presentation, and usually the last 30 or so minutes is Q&A. A lot of really good questions come out. You, Mark, and I are going to be there. Yes. Yeah. And so you have a tax professional, and you guys just, between the four of you, you handle questions that potential investors. That's it. uh, Yeah, that's great. Steve will be available to answer questions, uh, you know, on the sly, so to speak, as well as, you know, generic questions. Uh, I know, you know, and he told us this before. He says, yeah, a lot of times I go to these things and people, they don't want to ask questions in the generic one. They just come over to me on the side. Side. Hey, I ask you a question about my own personal stuff. Yeah. He's funny. He's He's entertaining. So I think people will really enjoy uh, meeting him. Well, I think that, you know, with all this stuff, it, you go into a meeting like this, or uh, certainly when people call me and they, they talk, really, that's that's our value is, is providing insight and information. You know, yes, you, you have a line that you have to avoid crossing when you're giving advice sure. to someone and stuff, and they have to respect that too. But certainly with these types of investments and things like that, um, the best thing you can do is get yourself in the right environment and ask questions. All right, yeah. guys, we're going to cut out for today. This was a fast one. Uh, thoughts for the day. Nothing is impossible. The word itself, I'm possible, right? I am. Uh, or, or sorry, the word itself says yes. I'm, I'm possible. Yeah. Yep. You know who said that? Audrey Hepburn. I didn't, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. <laughs> okay. And the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Hmm. I thought I like that was that one. Isn't that a yeah. nice one too? Okay. Uh, so with well, that, we are ending on a on a nice note. positive. <laughs> After all that Uber stuff, where we're getting <laughs> yeah. driving ourselves crazy, going to blows. That's right. <laughs> Tune in next week to the best of investing. We're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to the best of investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on the Bay Area's business leader, 
1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which we believe are reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of this information. Nothing in this broadcast should be interpreted to state or imply that past results are an indication of future performance. There are no warranties expressed or implied as to accuracy, completeness, or results obtained from this broadcast. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.